Chapter Thirteen of The Story of a New Zealand River by Jane Mander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Bruce was the only man who could not sleep long that morning. He had not fallen like the rest of them into a heavy slumber. He had merely dozed and tossed feverishly, his mind tormented by the vision of Alice's hard, sleepless eyes, and by the struggle he knew was ahead of him complicated for the time being by another of his periodical fits of fever and depression whose only cure seemed to be oblivion he had hoped that the storm and the fatigue might help him to work off for this time at least that horrible urge toward a climax that swamped out his will he had given up arguing with himself about it but he had not given up nor did he intend to give up the fight twice in the last eighteen months he had gone under after struggling to a point where something broke in him he had ridden off to return in a few days with the ghastly sensitiveness of the man who feels that lack of control is the unpardonable sin he had kept away from alice who he knew condemned such lapses and had no understanding of their mental or psychological basis until he had lost all signs of the madness but he always hated meeting her again with that brand upon his soul though he knew it to be disease it did not alter the fact that it was the tragedy of his life and now as he tossed in bed he saw it was coming again unable to rest he got up gave himself a sponge bath and exercised for half an hour to try to take some of the stiffness out of his limbs and to tire the hot aliveness of his mind then he stood for some minutes in his doorway staring up at the cabbage trees more scraggy than ever now that they had lost half of their leaves in the storm looking at his watch he saw that it was half past eight and he wondered if the cook would be ready with something to eat he walked round to the front of his shanty there he stopped short to look at the damage wrought by the storm roofs had suffered everywhere and not a fence had escaped the one that bob hargraves had just put up round his section the nearest to the boss's house was nowhere to be seen catching the wind as it curled round the cliffs it had been scattered in all directions sheets of sink palings boards tins and cans of every description were littered about between the cottages along the paths among the bushes in the field two brick chimneys had collapsed into shapeless heaps and the big zinc one at the kitchen had been twisted as if the demons of the gale had tried to wring its neck further along boats that had been torn from their anchorage lay smashed on the spit or were carried high and dry up the banks timber stacks were levelled and a shed on the spit had been wrecked out of existence but the water of an innocent and peaceful river lapped gently about the boundaries of the great booms every log was safe and sound an unnatural stillness hung heavy over the bay where by day there was now always a constant flow of bustling activity there was not a sound about the cottages or the kitchen hardly a column of smoke from a chimney bruce guessed that every house would be still till the exhausted men awoke looking toward the boss's cottage he saw alice in the yard he knew that the sooner he faced her and continued their normal ways the better with a half-formed thought that she might help him he went to her she took her cue from him and greeted him naturally he looked from her round the devastated yard and at the children and at the baby bunty as asia had nicknamed him tucked under her arm tom he asked asleep thank god he has not waked i fed the children out here and shall keep them out till he wakes they walked to the end of the wash-house and looked at what was left of the garden and the fence you didn't sleep long alice was thinking more of him than of the wreckage 
he did not look at her he was afraid she might guess what he was coming to and he knew she would understand it less than ever following on the incident of last night that like all women she would think that caring for her ought to keep him out of all temptations and revolutionize his natural tendencies no i was overtired but i'll sleep presently where's the cow his eyes sought her in the field she got out in the night asia has gone to look for her she felt that he was shutting himself away from her and she thought he meant to show her that they must not return to any significant expression of their feelings it hurt her that he should think she might become weak and demand any change in their friendship she registered a vow to show him that she could be just as strong as he could have you had any breakfast she asked no they seem to be asleep at the kitchen i'll bring you out some she smiled lightly up at him will you hold bunty i daren't have him inside he took the baby glad to be diverted by him and while tossing him up and down he took stock of the damage in the yard he was glad to see that the wash-house had held and that beyond the fence and the spouting there was nothing that could not soon be mended then he went into the shed and sat down by the rough table on which alice put her wash-tubs bunty who chewed his thumb contentedly with unusual good humour gazed up into his face in a way that amused and arrested bruce who began to speculate about his future and his unknown possibilities as he did so he heard piteous weeping in the yard startled he jumped up and as he reached the corner of the shed he met asia who raised a streaming utterly hopeless face good god child what is it with his free arm he pulled her back into the wash-house something dreadful has happened she choked worse than anything i don't know what we will do tell me he commanded he was more upset than he could have believed possible at the sight of her breakdown the cow is drowned she moaned our dear daisy drowned drowned repeated bruce yes drowned she got out in the night and she was so hungry she went down to eat the mangroves and now she's drowned are you sure he asked a lump now in his own throat yes quite sure she's stuck in the mud i went out and poked her she never moved and her eyes are just awful she's quite dead i know she was heartbroken oh what will we do she sobbed oh child bruce soothed her don't cry any more she isn't hurt now and we will get another cow but we have no money not any at all never mind mr brayton will give us one but it won't be daisy i loved her oh why did she have to die just then alice stood in the doorway with a tray what is it now she cried Shh! bruce held up his hand it's nothing it's only the cow the cow she exclaimed putting down the tray and staring at asia's miserable face yes she's drowned now don't but it was no use for alice asia's breakdown was the last straw she dropped onto the bench beside her crying helplessly oh mother asia threw her arms around her poor daisy it must have hurt her so her eyes are awful bruce looked at them for a minute and then swept by an impulse he could not and did not want to control he dropped bunty on the floor and gathered them both into his arms he saw that alice recovered almost immediately he felt the short experimental pressure of her body against his and then she sat still but he could feel excitement working in her he had made his soothing gestures less significant and then as she grew calmer he closed his hand upon her shoulder as he sat thus with asia clinging to him on the other side he thought of tom roland lying inside asleep and beguiled himself for the minute with the bitter humour of the situation 
alice wondered at the change in his expression and did not understand what there could be in it to amuse him for her the incident was a milestone on the road of emotional experience it would have hurt her badly to feel that it did not mean a great deal to him but she knew that outwardly they must ignore it and she thought the change in his manner was meant to remind her of that fact as she raised her face to his to give him the look she could not resist her eyes fell on the tray and his breakfast fast becoming cold oh david we are selfish returning to her normal manner asia get up dear and have some breakfast with uncle david then she and bruce saw that asia was more in need of comfort than they haunted by the dead daisy's glazed eyes she could not eat but kept sobbing at intervals in a way that wrung bruce's and her mother's hearts to help her they went out and began to clean up the yard and the garden and there they all worked keeping the children quiet and busy till it was time to have another picnic meal outside by the middle of the day the bay began to show signs of life after lunch bruce went to direct the men on odd jobs of straightening out the wreckage then he went up to the braytons for another cow when he got back at five o'clock he found roland had just wakened up delighted to hear that one of the tug steamers was coming up the river for his precious logs half an hour later the spit and the booms were alive with men preparing rafts to be ready for the morning's tide it was eleven o'clock when roland and bruce finally left the captain when they reached the store bruce said he had to get something out of it the boss turned from him ignoring his manner hm he said to himself as he went up the bank poor devil he's got it again but roland wasted no time moralizing about his foreman or judging him or feeling sorry for him he accepted his weakness as something that was there and that was the end of it bruce unlocked the store meaning to get himself some food as he picked out a tin of meat and some jam he startled a mouse and took up a stick to kill it but was not quick enough he moved boxes and bags hunting for it but continued to miss it then forgetting what he had come for he went out locking the door behind him and walked along the bank to the beach below the cliffs he meant to pace that sand till he tired himself out even if he walked all night he was amazed afresh at his own vitality at the heat of the liquid that flowed through his veins he did not try to argue about the good or the bad of it but set himself to fight it but as before his mind grew frenzied in the hopeless struggle against his body the still river and the fresh night did not help him the silence of the hills only mocked his fever he craved for the only thing that could help him to break the weight of the accumulated suppression in him the only thing that could still the beat in his brain he could feel flames licking round the inside of his skull eating up everything in his head he felt them burning through his body galling the nerves in his legs stinging the soles of his feet but he fought on till he thought he was too tired to feel any more climbing round the base of the green hill he picked his way among the rushes behind the boss's house when he reached his shanty however something blazed up in his brain and a hundred nerves snapped through his body the thought of going in and getting calmly into bed was too flat too banal to be endured he knew he would burst if he tried to force it on himself as if pursued he strode to the place where his horse always stood tethered he saddled it mounted and galloped off into the night he only meant to ride and ride and let his horse take him anywhere it would but in less than half an hour it had landed him at the point curtis public house End of chapter 13